This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, December 6th, and we're talking Cardinals baseball today with our Redbirds reporter, Jennifer Langos from MLB.com. Jen, as always, we thank you for the time and a lot to get to today. The uh, Cardinals have been busy the past couple days. and uh, But let's start here, though, with a guy that uh, is not going to be in a Cardinals uniform in 2018, that being Shohei Otani. Uh, the Cardinals were one of 23 teams that he eliminated in his uh, quest to become a big leaguer in 2018. Only seven teams, including the Cubs, which Cardinals fans don't want to hear, but the Cubs are still in the running for Otani while the Redbirds are not. And, Jen, I know that uh, you know certain teams had very – high hopes and high aspirations of getting Otani in, you know, in their clubhouse next year. Other teams on the lower end kind of figured he's a long shot at best. So uh, within that spectrum, where did the Cardinals fall in terms of their hopes of getting Shohei Otani? Yeah, the Cardinals never expected to kind of be in the middle of this bidding war. And there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, most notably the fact that they have spending limits this year because they went over their international spending um, a year ago, the maximum bonus that they could have offered Otani would have been $300,000. And while this is not necessarily um, all about money for Otani, the Cardinals did you know, expect that to, to kind of be a, an obstacle in their talks with him. Now, they did submit the paperwork, the questionnaire that Otani you know, sent out to all the teams, um, kind of listing why you know St. Louis would be a good fit. But in the end, they were not surprised to be on that list of eliminated teams. And I think now if you're the Cardinals, your biggest hope, number one, is that he doesn't end up in Chicago. And number two, most likely, is that you know you hope that he ends up in the American League where you don't have to see him all that much. So um, the Cardinals, again, did their due diligence, sent in the papers, um, but kind of got the result that they expected all along. And, Jen, uh, the feedback you're getting from fans, is this a real palpable fear that the Cubs are going to get him? I mean, how, how what's the freakout level right now amongst the Cardinals fan base that he's going to go to their most hated rival? You know what? I haven't I haven't felt much of a freak out yet. I think because everybody's freaking out about Giancarlo Stanton right now. Mm. So, you know, there's a little bit of a distraction here in St. Louis. Um, but certainly I would anticipate if we start here in coming days that that list of seven teams is whittled down even further and the Cubs are still in it, then yes, I, I think that might become a little bit more of a concern to Cardinal fans. I think Cardinal fans right now are hopeful, again, that, that Otani sees a better fit in the American League where he could possibly be used as a DH in some situations. And also this idea that he prefers the West Coast. Obviously, geographically, Chicago doesn't fit on the West Coast. Um, so I think a lot of folks here are hoping that, um, you know, that lure to the West Coast keeps them out of Chicago. Yeah, I think that's definitely the hope for Cardinals fans right now. Uh, you know, the, the Cubs, even though they're, they are on the list of finalists, if you will, they're still the long shot of those finalists. So that's something that Cardinals fans can hang their hat on. And hopefully they get checked off the list here before soon. Uh, before long, I should say. And uh, if not, though, like you said, the freakout level is certainly going to be off the charts uh, there in St. Louis. We're going to get to Giancarlo Jen in a little bit, but first, uh, the Cardinals did get their hands on a guy, a right-handed pitcher who did spend some time in Japan. Just not the guy they were thinking, of course, not Shohei Otani, but Miles 
Mikolas. Uh, he is back in the big leagues after three rather productive seasons in Japan. And uh, tell us about the domino effect that his presence could have in this rotation. Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, you know, you, we've talked a lot this offseason about the Cardinals' primary needs being a big bat for the lineup and a closer and probably multiple relievers. Well, the Cardinals' first big move of the offseason is to come out and, and sign a starting pitcher. But, uh, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for a few reasons. I mean, number one, Mikolas gives the Cardinals better depth in their starting rotation. Here is a guy who, over three seasons in Japan, pitched quite well at a 2.25 ERA um, just this last year while leading the Central League in strikeouts and innings pitched. You look at a team that is going to be without Lance Lynn, somebody who ate up a lot of innings, and a team that you know is a little bit unsure of what they can expect from their young starters, bringing somebody else in with experience, somebody who can eat up those innings, I think was very critical. What this move can also do for the Cardinals, of course, is free them up to potentially trade some of that young starting pitching. You know, I'm not sure that they had enough there if they hadn't signed another starter to feel comfortable trading some pieces away. But now when you talk about, you know, whether it's going after Stanton or trying to address another need through a trade, you know, maybe guys like Jack Flaherty or Sandy Alcantara, Dakota Hudson are suddenly in play a little bit more because the Cardinals feel like their starting pitching depth is better than it was. And, Jen, it's interesting that you use the term eat up innings because anybody that's Googled Miles Mikolas knows there's something else that he eats up, which is rather curious, a very interesting part of his diet, his cuisine, and for the fans that aren't aware of what we're talking about, fill us in on some of the strange eating habits of the newest uh, St. Louis Cardinal. Yeah, so the newest St. Louis Cardinal will come um, with a nickname Lizard King. And as you alluded to, that is because he once ate a live lizard before an Arizona Fall League game. That was back in 2011. Fortunately, one of his teammates was gracious enough to videotape this, so we can all continue to watch this. Um, I know I watched it yesterday, and it made my stomach turn. And you know, this is, again, this is a video from 2011. But um, Mikulas literally picked up a lizard, doused it with a little bit of Mountain Dew, chewed it down and it had a lot of laughs afterwards. So he still carries around the Lizard King nickname. I'm sure it's going to be a topic of discussion when he gets to St. Louis. And it will be very interesting to see um, if he's willing to pull the stunt again or perhaps get any of his other Cardinal teammates in on it. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, just I have not seen the video, but hearing you describe it is making my stomach churn for what it's worth. Uh, Was this a dare or a bet, or did he just say, hey, do you have your phone? I want to do something cool. I don't know. There wasn't a lot of contact with, contact with the video. So, um, yeah, it wasn't really clear. But he didn't seem to have much of an issue. It took him about 90 seconds after he picked up the lizard to, to kind of get up enough guts to actually chow it down. But um, then he made it. Didn't seem to spit it out. Didn't come back up. So kudos to him and a well-deserved nickname. Yeah, uh, the merchandising possibilities with this are just off the charts, and uh, maybe the Cardinals take advantage of that. We see Lizard King shirts in the gift shop all throughout 2018. Possibilities are endless uh, with Miles Mikolas, now a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Jen, shifting gears back to Giancarlo Stanton, as you said, you know, Otani was kind of a long shot by Giancarlo is the guy that they want. Uh, It's down to two teams, uh, seemingly, the Cardinals and the San Francisco Giants. I think the consensus is that the Giants have the inside track simply because uh, Giancarlo, a native of California, that is his preferred destination, you know, somewhere, if not California, somewhere on the West Coast. So I guess I want to get your take on this. You know, are are the Cardinals, do they feel they still have a strong chance at him? Do they feel that it's going to take, you know, something of a, of a Hail Mary to get this guy? What's, what's kind of the pulse right now regarding their chances of getting the NL MVP? 
Yeah, well, publicly the Cardinals are stating nothing, which comes as no surprise. You know, but inside the organization, I mean, they're still holding out a little bit of optimism that that this can still go through. I mean, Stan at this point has not said no to a trade to St. Louis, so he has not completely eliminated them from the list. You know, what they're finding themselves in, though, is just a waiting game. And then kind of the uncertainty that comes with that, is this a decision that Stan is going to make this week? Is it a decision that's going to linger through or pass the winter meetings? And at what point do the Cardinals feel like they have to pivot in their plans and maybe address, you know, this big bat by going after someone else? So um, they're stuck in a little bit of a limbo. You know, that being said, we do know that the Cardinals' offer to the Marlins was enticing enough for Miami um, to, to, to want to set up a meeting between Stanton and the Cardinals. That happened last week, and I would suspect that the Cardinals tried to sell a few things to him. Number one, the winning tradition here in St. Louis, the opportunity to jump into a team um, that is a perennial playoff contender, something that Stan has never experienced before. Um, the opportunities with so much young talent here that they can have sustained success with him throughout the remainder of that 10-year contract. I mean, I think you point out the fact that the Cardinals and the Marlins share a spring training complex not that far from Miami. So, you know, Stanton would spend seven weeks of his spring there in Southern Florida. And I think the Cardinals tried their best to sell the city. And, and the reality is, is, you know, while you be coming to play in St. Louis, you're not coming to live here 12 months a year. I mean, he would spend most of his time elsewhere, whether it's in the season on the road or in the offseason, wherever he wants to live. So the Cardinals trying to kind of put their best marketing foot forward. But again, is this a stand decision at this point? I kind of agree with you. I'm not sure the Cardinals are the front runner at this point. Um, but that being said, they continue to be patient to wait and to hope that maybe something will work out in their favor. Yeah, I mean, time to put on the full court press and cross your fingers. That's all you can do. I mean, it's it's down between themselves and, and the Giants right now. It's in Giancarlo's hands. And We'll see if a decision comes down uh, during the winter meetings, which get underway uh, on Sunday. Jim, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, uh, a lot of eyebrows raised uh, in in, uh, recent days with the trade of Aledmus Diaz. I know this one kind of caught me off guard, and uh, he was sent to the Toronto Blue Jays for a minor league prospect. And I know that the the 2017 Aledmus Diaz was not even close to the 2016 Aledmus Diaz, who really burst onto the scene as a rookie. But nonetheless, is there some fear that, you know what, you're giving up on a guy way too soon because sophomore slumps, such as they're called, not uncommon amongst younger players, and and maybe that's all this was for Diaz. We we know that the talent's there. So, again, is there fear that they cut ties with him a bit too soon? Yeah, and I think for me, I, I wasn't totally surprised that the Cardinals traded him. I think what surprised me is that they didn't seem to get more in return hmm. for trading him. I, mean, I say that because as you look at kind of – how the Cardinals project in future years, you know, not only was it Diaz's slump that hurt him in 2017, but it was also Paul DeYoung's emergence that really hurt Diaz's chances of having a fit here for the long term. So you look at where Diaz might have fit next year, probably as a utility infielder. I think he's a very capable, he's very capable of being a utility infielder at the major league level, a guy who can get 300, 350 at bats during a season and be fairly productive. So that being said, yeah, I mean, I think there was some value there the Cardinals flipping him for a minor league outfielder, uh, you know, system that already has a ton of outfield depth. You know, maybe this is kind of a diamond in the rough sort of thing. The other, the other factor I believe that played into this um, had to do with salary. And you know, Diaz was in a unique situation. This the contract that he signed coming out of Cuba had him earning two and a half million dollars last year. This year, he would have only been able to take a decrease of a maximum of 20%. So you're talking about a salary that would have been at least $2 million for him this year. And I think the Cardinals, again, looking at what else they had, 
seeing that Diaz was unlikely to, to earn a starting spot back, just didn't want to commit that money to him and figured it was time to cut ties. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point that uh, the biggest surprise here, not necessarily the trade itself, but what they got in return. I remember seeing the, the name and immediately going to MLBPipeline.com to see where he ranked amongst the Blue Jays' uh, top prospects, and he was outside the top 30. I couldn't find him. So that really surprised me, and I think that surprised a lot of people is that uh, the return was less than, you know, certainly less than overwhelming for Aledmus Diaz, but we'll see how it all works out for the Cardinals. Uh, we trust John Mozalock and Aledmus Diaz as I moved on, as have the St. Louis Cardinals as well. Jen, uh, to wrap up this week, we're taking a look back at some notable wheelings and dealings from the winter meetings, as I alluded to previously. Those get underway on uh, Sunday from Orlando, Florida. So, Jen, Take us back to 2011, the Cardinals on top of the baseball world as the reigning World Series champions after a thrilling seven-game series uh, win over the Rangers. But that winter, they did have to say goodbye to a franchise icon. Yeah, and you know, you look at the way they entered the winter meetings there in 2011. The spotlight was on them as defending world champs and also you know, in the thick of negotiations with Pujols. And then by the time the winter meetings ended four days later, uh, the Cardinals kind of ducking out of the hotel, avoiding all media at that point, learning that Pujols, of course, had decided to sign with Anaheim. So, you know, the Cardinals in recent years haven't been all that active in the winter meetings in terms of transactions. So, I mean, that is the one that certainly stands out. Here you had a franchise player, an iconic player, someone who the Cardinals, you know, had hoped would be a lifetime Cardinal, uh, you know, going back and forth in those negotiations and some disagreements in terms of not only money, but years, um, pools not feeling respected at times, as he would later say. But, of course, for the Cardinals, a lot at stake. And as I mentioned, by that Thursday morning, the last morning of the winter meetings, the Cardinals learning um, that Albert Pujols would not be coming back to St. Louis. And it's interesting that we look back on that now because you, know, you think about the parallels of kind of going into this winter meetings. This is a team that is seeking the slugger in Giancarlo Stanton and perhaps by next Thursday, when they leave the winter meetings, they'll have some clarity there as well. Yeah, that's that's an interesting parallel. Like you said, uh, they they lost an iconic slugger six years ago. Maybe six years later, they gained one. So uh, maybe symmetry is in the Cardinals' favor here if uh, Giancarlo does end up coming to St. Louis here in uh, the 2017 offseason. Time will tell. Jen Langosh, great stuff as always. We appreciate the contributions, and we'll talk again soon. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, St. Louis Cardinals. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.